0: Welcome to the Florence Crossroad Podcast. We're thrilled to share with you an exciting message from our weekend service. If you would like more information about who we are as a church and how to get involved, feel free to visit FlorenceCrossroadAG.org. We hope you have an amazing experience and a great week. Amen. Thank you, Jeff. You know, don't we have a good-looking crew here? I'm so proud of uh, the team that the Lord has brought around us. And you know what? I'm pretty proud of you, too. You guys are beyond words. Uh, exciting to see what God has allowed us as a congregation to do in our community. And we have some incredible plans for this coming year. There are some extremely positive things. How many of you know that serving Jesus is practical? Amen? I mean, he gets right down where the rubber meets the road. It's practical. It's, it's everyday life, and uh, I'm involved with a couple projects here in the community. We'll be talking more about those coming into, the next, uh, into this next year, but how many of you think it's possible to break the cycle of homelessness? Yes. Friends, I believe that there is, a, there is a way to do that. We'll be talking about that, and uh, right now, I'm, I'm part of a group of people that we're really looking at that. And uh, we want to see an answer. I believe that if there's a problem, there is a solution to that problem. And it's just simply a matter of stepping up to the plate and finding it. Amen? And uh, is, that, is that acting up? I, 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 I like... I don't like technology. I love it. Uh, some days. Uh, how many of you have ever watched National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? You ever watch that? How many of you watch Hallmark Christmases? I figured out the code with these Hallmark Christmases. Boy meets girl. Girl falls in love with boy, boy falls in love with girl, boy does some stupid thing. <laughs> Somebody comes in, tries to disrupt this, and then they kiss and make up and live happily ever after. <laughs> uh, friends, I've got news for you. I think my life fo- probably follows more after National Lampoon's Christmas <laughs> vacation than a Hallmark Christmas. Um, you, you know what that's like, disrupt, dis, interruptions, disappointments, family frictions, and weird uncles. <laughs> ha, 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 no weird uncles in here, right? We, we left them. <laughs> I'm not talking about Gary. Come on. <laughs> uh, Christmas plans sometimes can become derailed by unexpected challenges and disruptions. But it's not just at Christmas time. It could happen any time of the year. But truthfully, I think what we do is become idealistic about Christmas. We want family to come together, and we want to have a warm, fuzzy feeling, and everybody's happy, and everybody's nice and pleasant, and that doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes there are interruptions that kind of create a whole lot of challenges. When I think about that first Christmas, two very precious young people, Mary probably around 15, Joseph maybe 20 plus, in love. They'd found that person. Could have been arranged, who knows, but they were in love. They cared deeply about each other. They had plans, they had dreams, they had a future together. But boy, did it change in an abrupt moment. Matthew says it this way. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. his name, Jesus. You know, we were in a church in Salem and Christmas landed on Sunday and so that morning I had all of the children in the church on the platform and there were, I i couldn't count, I would say close to a 100 children on or around the, the platform and I was in a rocking chair and I was just telling the Christmas story. Behold a virgin shall bring forth a child. A little boy's hand went up. We're live radio. Pastor, what's a virgin? I said, do you have a cell phone? He says, yeah. I said, it's a carrier. I said, when you get home, I want you to ask your father that very question. (laughs) Kids can make you a mess. When I think about that birth of Jesus, it was not a Hallmark Christmas. It was not this warm, fuzzy moment leading up to the birth of Christ was filled with trauma and frustration and fear and anxiety and disappointment and mistrust. Uh, It was anything but a sweet moment. And chances are, our perfect Christmases may be as easily disrupted. And it may not be merely Christmas. There are a lot of lessons that I, I can look at here this morning. You make plans. You set your attention toward a direction. And all of a sudden, something changes those. I shared in the first service I never intended to be a preacher that just wasn't on my that wasn't on my radar came to faith in Jesus and boy God just up it was an upheaval in my life in a very good way a positive way but from the time I was nine years old I had a trajectory in my life and that trajectory was medicine. I was going to be a neonatologist. I was going into pediatrics, tiny little babies. I love kids, and if you haven't been around me long, you'll find that out. And I have, I have no tolerance to people that don't love kids. I think you need medication, <laughs> or training, or psychiatric help. I'm being <laughs> candid, but I'm being honest and unapologetic because I think children are the greatest gift God gives us next to our salvation so here here I had this in my mind from nine years old that was my direction all of the classes I took in high school were in that direction put me on that bent I went to college my undergraduate degree was in pre-med and left there two years at what was then called the University of Oregon Med School it was at the end of that second year, and I'm preparing to go on to uh, work into uh, internship residency and, and four final years to get me to my final occupation. By this time, I have spent 12, excuse me, 18 years in school. I was fed up with school. And I paid a lot of money to get that far. And by that time, it was amazing. I didn't have a huge debt, but I had a little debt. But while I'm finishing out that second year, something troubled my heart. I wanted to be a doctor, not to be a title. I wanted to help people. And something was changing inside of me, and I couldn't figure it out changed the whole trajectory, the whole course, the whole bent of the whole future of my life. There were a lot of people that had helped me to get to that point. I came home, I talked with my pastor, and I said, I don't understand this. I I just don't understand this at all. He said to me, he says, well, what is it that you're feeling? And I said, I don't understand how to defend my faith. And everything that I'm having to deal with right now is People bringing challenges to my faith. And I need to know more about how to deal with that. And I don't know why that particular situation is creating for me this kind of upheaval in my soul. He gave me some sound advice and I took it. Went to my advisor and I said, is it possible to take a leave of absence? I went to Bible school only to gain more insight about the word of God and to understand why and how this whole business of salvation why it was so real and I knew what God had done I knew the change that had happened in my life but I couldn't I couldn't defend it I didn't know how to tell you what it was I just knew what God had done so I did I didn't intend intend to become a a preacher as I said I mean I, I didn't think anything about being a preacher First of all, most of the ones that I knew drove ramblers and they were the ugliest car that a human being had ever created. <laughs> and they all wore suits that were slick and shiny on the back of their lap. And I just, and some of them had really weird looking haircuts. And I just didn't think that was where, <laughs> that's being naughty, I'm sorry. But, but that was not on my radar screen. That is not where I felt God wanted me to be. I didn't know that at the time. I just, it never came up. But while I was there, and while I was studying the word, God began to deal with me. And it became very real that this passion that I had to help people was probably something God had placed in my heart, a call in my life from a very young child. And when I finally put it all together and when God began to really show me the whole direction of it, a weight lifted off of me but it was an interruption in my life that would shake the foundation of my family and some of my very dear friends. So it was with the birth of Jesus. Best laid plans can literally be interrupted. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Two young people madly in love. Joseph making plans to build a home, a house, all of the furnishings. Mary feverishly trying to figure out the color schemes and the china patterns and all of the stuff that goes with a wedding. And their big plans. They're massive plans. They're wonderful plans. And in the middle of all of it, God interrupted them. When God interrupts us, we can respond or we can react. And how we deal with that interruption is very critical to where we will end up in the trajectory of our lives. A Jewish wedding had two parts to it. The first part's called the kedushin and it's it's the betrothal it's the engagement period. When two people a young man and young woman would come together many times it was arranged but when they would come together and they would come to this point of their engagement they were married. They were legally bound together, they were spiritually bound together. And that Kiddushan could last anywhere from a few months to a year. And it was in that period of time that fidelity and, and consecration and commitment to one another would be experienced and exposed. If it didn't work out, you couldn't just walk away and say it didn't work out. You literally had to go through a divorce process. The second phase, and the one that we probably see the most of, is what's called the hoopah, which is really the the big elaborate ceremony. This is where Jesus is in John, where his mother comes to him. They're out of wine. His first miracle was at a wedding. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. But Mary and Joseph hadn't got that far yet. They were at that very beginning stage. I can only imagine, Mary, Joseph is working on the plans for their house, and she comes to him, and he looks up, smile on his face, a grin that goes from ear to ear ear, as he sees this precious sweetheart come toward him. And he says, I want to show you something. She says, Joseph, we need to talk. Can you imagine what that conversation was like? Can you imagine what went through his heart and what through went through her soul when she began and when he began to understand that everything they had dreamed and everything they had planned and all of the desire and all of the future that they had intended together, how could this be? How could this be? Interruptions. It wasn't a Hallmark Christmas, I'll tell you that. It was a big deal. Our plans just may not be God's plans. James says it this way. Come now, ye who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is, a, it is even a vapor. It's It appears a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to be saying, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. We can plan. We can propose. We can dream. But that may not necessarily be God's plan. I I think sometimes it's easy when disruptions come to say, God, I, I object to this. I don't like this. I don't enjoy this. December 6, 2007, I was on my way to my office. We were going to have a board meeting that night. It was a busy time of year. We were planning the 30th uh, anniversary, and it was the final year of our singing Christmas tree in Lodi. It was a huge event. We'd have thousands of people come through in those, in those weekends. But after 30 years, felt like it had kind of hit, it had kind of finished its course. We felt the direction of the Lord was going differently. But we wanted to make this a very special, final farewell, if you will, to the tree. Lots of activities, lots of busy plans, but my phone rings. It's the chief of staff at the hospital. And he said, Pastor, he said, "Uh, I need to have you come to the hospital. I said, well, what's going on, Ray?" He says, there's been a horrible accident, and I need you to come and identify a member of your congregation. His name was Bill Harper. Bill was bigger than life. When he walked into a room, the room lit up. He was a college professor. He rode Harleys and horses. The most eclectic guy I've ever met in my life, brilliant mind, Incredible drawing personality. He led our home builders class. He was our lead teacher. We had a group uh, up to a couple hundred people in this class that were anywhere from 35 to 50. He was a brilliant mind, an incredible teacher, wonderful man. Two beautiful kids, precious wife. Talk about an interruption. An interruption to that family, an interruption to the church, an interruption to so many different facets of life over in an instant. Within a couple hours, it seemed like the entire homebuilders class was in the foyer of the waiting room. Jerry is there with me as we're there beside Bill's body. And she looked at me and she says, I want to talk to the young man. It was a head-on collision. Young man had fallen asleep, drifted across the road. Bill was taken out instantaneously. There was a police officer in front of our door and a police officer in front of the door of the young man that was injured in this wreck. And uh, so I went to the officer and I said, she would like to talk to the young man. He said, I don't think that'd be a good idea. I said, I think it'd be a great idea. Because I knew them. Bill's mantra of life was there's going to come a day when the bus comes by and all I have to do is step on. I've already got my ticket. He stepped on the bus that day. We knew where Bill was. So I went with Jerry and we walked into this young man's room and she went over to the side of the bed, took his hand and introduced herself and he began to cry inconsolably. I stepped over behind his family and put my arms around them and she's talking to him and she says, this is the worst day of my life but this is even a more worse day for you. It's the worst day of my life but I have this confidence. I know where my husband's at. He's in the presence of Jesus. Do you know Jesus? And He says, I know about him but I don't know him. And she led him to the Lord and his family we were able to pray with that family talk about an interruption it wasn't pleasant it wasn't fun it was heart rendering it was I don't know that you ever get through or that you ever get over those types of losses it's unfair it's not good but an entire family today is serving Jesus because of an unfair interruption we can we can object we can say god i don't like this i don't want this and no we shouldn't want something like that but on the other side of it god has plans that are much bigger than anything we might understand i think sometimes what we have to do is step back and get god's take on a circumstance sometimes we have plans i had plans god overruled my plans My dad was not pleased with my decision. It took him a while to get over it. He says, son, you can't make any money being a preacher. What he was trying to say is, how are you going to afford a family? How are you going to provide for your family? God has more than provided. Please understand that. But you see, in his mindset, as in so many, we have these ideas that this is the way it's got to be. But God has bigger plans, better ideas. Why did I have to take all of those classes? Anatomy. I just about break out in hives when I think about it. It's the toughest class I've ever taken in my life. I don't care how many bones there are in your body. I don't care how many systems you have. You're wonderfully and fearfully made, and that's all I need to know. (laughs) Paul understood being overruled. He had a thorn in the flesh. Some people think it was nearsightedness or eye vision vision issues or malaria or whatever. I, I don't. I think it was people. You ever had a thorn in the flesh? I can tell you as a pastor, sheep bite. They do. All right, John. And sometimes that's why you have a rod and a staff. No. <laughs> the truth is that I think Paul's thorn in the flesh is mine. I'm not trying to make some kind of a theological thing here. I just simply believe... Paul's thorn in the flesh was an Alexander the Coppersmith. I think it was human beings that he couldn't, they they wouldn't change, they wouldn't change, they wouldn't change, they wouldn't work, they they wouldn't get along. They would, they were just content. They had to have, they had to do. And Paul prayed. He prayed three times, and I don't think he just prayed little ditties. I think he was in concerted prayer. And after the third time, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to him. Something like this, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might be departed from me. But God said, no, I will not take this from you. God kept that for him to prove in him something and to provide a a whetstone to sharpen the skill and the person and the character that God intended for Paul. God doesn't always take away the unpleasant. Hello? I'll say amen even louder than that. He's attempting to grow us and to help us through the stuff that we're going through. And we have to come back to him. And that's what Paul was finding. It wasn't just a matter that he went to God three times and God didn't answer. The good thing is he went to God. He prayed. He sought the Lord. And you know what? I think he continued to seek God. And I think sometimes the interruptions that happen in the course of our life are planned by God to keep us in his presence. You know, Joseph could have really blown this moment. He could have had a knee-jerk reaction to have divorced her, and in that culture, he could have even had her executed. But he chose not to do that. Joseph loved Mary, and he was a good man. You see, I don't believe that God, in his omniscience and his all-powerful understanding would have allowed Jesus, his dearly beloved, only begotten son, to be raised in a dysfunctional home. I think he knew the character of Joseph, and I think he knew the character of Mary, and he trusted these with his child. And being that he was a good man, he chose to not embarrass her, not put her through public shame, but to privately and quietly just divorce her and walk away. (laughs) In fact, verse 19 says, Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was mindful to put her away secretly. I think he was a praying man. I don't understand dreams. I don't understand visions always. I believe in them. I believe that God has a way and means of reaching into the heart and soul and the mind of a human being that's not always when we're wide awake, but sometimes when our mind shuts down and we quit trying to reason and rationalize and our spirit is open and vulnerable to God, that he'll bring a revelatorial moment to us in a dream or in a vision. I truly believe that. And while he was asleep, when his mind had settled down from the turmoil of this interruption, an angel of the Lord came to him in a dream and said, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For this thing that has happened to her is of the Holy Spirit. It is of God. This is divine. This is an ordained moment. How I many if you wished you had a dream like that. Well, at my age, I don't want to dream about ha- my wife having a baby, but. And she would she would probably say, my God in heaven, no. <laughs> you know, how do you put that on Medicare? I mean, I'm, I'm just at work, you know, I just don't think that I don't think it covers it. And then the angel said to him, Joseph, you will call his name Jesus. It was Joseph that named Jesus. It was Joseph that gave him his name. Because God gave the name to Joseph to give to Jesus. Now, there are some thoughts that come to me. Well, I think there were two great happenings that happened. One... <laughs> He got to marry a sweetheart. Secondly, he had the privilege of raising the only begotten son of God. Now think about that. God took a very difficult circumstance, brought an incredible interruption to his life and to hers, and turned that over to something much bigger and grander. I think you, you, you learn lessons with it. One, pray, 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 pray. How many of you know you can never pray enough? You know, I, I, I have people that they don't understand prayer. Pray, it's because they don't pray. I'm serious. They don't pray. Circumstances comes down and we've got to pray. Has it come to that? <laughs> Folks, that's what we can do. There is nothing more powerful than men and women on their knees, on their face, before God in prayer. Because we're bringing our need into His presence and He has the answers. Just get excited about that one. Paul tells us in First Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean that it's just one; it means that I'm in a continual state of understanding that I have this need and my God has the answer. Man, I can live that. I, I live that. You need to live that. It's not just a matter of having a, a specific devotional time, though I think that's important, but it's, it's every single moment of every single day knowing and understanding that we live in the very awesome presence of an awesome, mighty, powerful, loving, gracious God that wants to hear from us. And at any given moment, whether I'm speaking it out or it's just coming from my spirit, I can communicate with him. Hallelujah. And he hears me. He hears me. Did you hear that, church? He hears us when we pray. But we become so preoccupied with trying to figure it all out. We need his perspective. When we put the interruptions in the right perspective, it's amazing what it does for us. James 5 says, is is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is any cheerful? Let them sing psalms. He's telling us that we need to, to, to come to him. And when we do, he's there. Wow, always there. Somebody put it this way. Many of us tend to be catastrophic in our thinking. We spend $100 worth of worry on a $5 problem. Hello? Has worry ever solved anything? I, I asked this, the question this morning, how many of you suffer from POPD? That's perfect ornament placement disorder. You know, there's a Christmas tree, and then there's one for the kids. Don't touch that tree. My wife is given to popd. I broke an ornament one day. One, one. There are a hundred ornaments on that tree. One. I'm telling you, she went looking. She left the ninety and nine to look for the one. I have one ornament on my tree, one, Oregon ducks, it is out of place amongst everything else on that tree, but it's on every tree because that's my ornament, and that tree is in my house, and I paid for that tree, and that's as far as I can go with that. You invite people over and you get your knickers in a knot because you didn't wash your, your 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 tub. You didn't bring them over to bathe. You brought them over to have dinner. It doesn't matter. We get so caught up with all of these insignificant things. Y'all understand what I'm trying to tell you this morning? We need to just relax a bit. Jesus says... Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on it. And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Doesn't work, does it, Marilyn? Doesn't work. I've tried. I'm in reverse. I went, I was taller. I started out at 6'2, and the weight of ministry is just, you know, what can I say? I was speaking to the lifers club at Oregon State Penitentiary one time and I walked in and I mean, these were the biggest, I mean, these guys bulk, they, they lift weights. I mean, they lifted things bigger than, and I walked in and I had a cadre of six of them on each side. You're going to be all right, preacher, we got your back. <laughs> I didn't know where I was going to end up in that prison. We got out there. How do you relate? I don't, how do I relate to a bunch of men that I've seen on the news for murder and for all kinds of heinous crimes? And I, I thought, you know, you know, I gotta relate to him somehow. Lord, I don't tell me how. I said, you know, the Bible says the wicked will be cut off. And what you see right here is condensed righteousness. The wicked was gone. <laughs> Stupid, I know, but it worked. <laughs> see, folks, God's in control. He still knows how many hairs on. On, on our on our head he 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 knows everything about our very being it's called providence he knows nothing can happen to you or to me without it first passing through him Amen. and the challenge is do we trust him do we trust him Jesus uh, is someone that we can trust but we We've got to understand the distinction between reacting and responding. There's a story about a a woman by the name of Mrs. Monroe. Mrs. Monroe had nine children. She went to the grocery store one day. She comes home, and the house was nice and neat and quiet, really quiet. And she went into the living room, and five of her precious children were sitting in a row, sitting in a circle. And so she put the groceries down to come over and see what what was going on. Well, these little kids had gone outside, and they had found... Five baby skunks. <laughs> and a baby skunk is about the cutest thing in the world. And and they were patting them and playing when they had them in the circle in the living room. Well, Mrs. Monroe comes over and she looks and she screams, Run, kids, run! Each of them grabbed a skunk and ran five different directions. <laughs> and she sees this and she says, Drop them, run! Well, with that, the kids squeeze the skunks. Skunks don't like to be squeezed. Reactions solve nothing. Just creates a real stink. It's kind of like life, isn't it? (laughs) I'm not telling you to run this morning. And I'm not telling you to squeeze this morning. What I'm telling you is trust Jesus this morning. Jesus, Jesus... Has been taken captive. He's innocent. Judas betrayed him with a kiss. He's taken by the guards to the house of Caiaphas and Capernaum. Excuse me. In, in uh, anyway, it's Caiaphas's home, his house. And in the basement, there's a prison. And he's beaten. They take him to Herod and he's beaten again they take him from Herod to Pilate and there in the fortress of Antonia they literally destroy him in the flogging and beating but he comes before Pilate innocent Pilate therefore said to him are you a king and Jesus answered You say rightly that I am a king for this cause, for this cause, listen to this, for this cause I was born and for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. What is truth? Jesus was born so that we could see the likeness of God himself. Jesus, innocent beaten, imprisoned falsely accused and the crowd says crucify him and release Barabbas Barabbas was an insurrectionist and a murderer justly deserving imprisonment Jesus was innocent the guilty was set free innocence was murdered I'm guilty he's innocent you're guilty he's innocent for this cause I came For this cause I was born. The only mention of the birth of Jesus in the book of John is in the 37th verse of this chapter. For this cause was I born. For this cause did I come. That the guilty would be set free. Free to know forgiveness. Free to know peace. Peace. Free to know the joy of the Lord. Free to have eternal life. Do you get it? Interruptions, count on them. Interruptions, every single one of us will not escape them. Interruptions, they're not pleasant. Interruptions, they're not always comfortable. Interruptions, they are very disruptive But boy, can they be productive. It is all how we approach them. How we anticipate what God is going to do through them. And everybody can say amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning?